Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the September 18, 2022 session, focusing on Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Gotta serve somebody. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm Burt Montgomery. All right, dear listeners, we are experimenting with a different approach to recording for this episode, so hopefully it's going to go wonderfully. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're trying a different approach that uh, we, we hope will make things a little bit easier on the production side. So if things don't sound exactly the same, we'll get it worked out by next time. <laughs> so, well, for for our, our lead-in conversation today, it's, it's, it is a question, but... <sighs> It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the text we're looking at. Sometimes I choose leading questions that somehow help illustrate uh, some connection to the text. But today, I just, I was out and about. I had lots of meetings. I was at an event, luncheon, and I was struck by just the general sense of exhaustion and stress and maybe even resignation among some folks that were just worn out <laughs> these days. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wonder, is there a way that you uh, are practicing kindness and grace for those that you run into who may be in, the, you know, in that category of tired, stressed, worn out? Well, you know, sometimes, I mean, not to be simplistic about it, sometimes the answers there in the question. I think you practice kindness and grace. Yeah. Uh, and certainly that means different things to different folks. But I think if you start with that posture and, and just realize that we're all carrying something. Yeah. And if we can, if we can be kind, if we can be grace filled and, and maybe if there's something else, I think we can ask, how can we help? How can we, how can I lighten the load? Yeah. That's, it's very meaningful to those who need you to ask that question. I've been very um, encouraged really for the last couple of years uh, since the pandemic began, but especially as at the university, as things have kind of gone back to normal, and I'm using quote fingers here, those who can't see me, um, because things aren't back to normal. And students are still dealing with COVID or dealing with family members with very serious illnesses regard related to COVID or other things. And it's just a different world for a college student than it was even three years ago with the amount of pressure on them. And I've been encouraged by the number of my peers uh, it, instructors and faculty who have been encouraging each other. When students come to you and just say, I'm behind, or I don't know what to do, or this is, I'm not going to get this done. Helping them, th th understanding this is a different reality than what we were doing when we were in school. And it's a different reality than even three to five years ago and giving a lot of grace. And yes, there may be students who take advantage of that, but you never know. And there's many more that aren't taking advantage of it, that they're on the verge of total collapse and a kind teacher can make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. uh, two things come to mind. 
Um, the first thing is, is I am tired and exhausted. <laughs> um, and so I find that when I give myself grace, I am more apt to give others grace. I am better at being kind to others when I am also kind to myself. And so that really has been a practice for me over the last year and a half is to practice kindness to myself um, as a way of putting kindness out in the world. Um, and the other thing is, is for me, service people get a pass. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Whatever your service <laughs> is, if you're bringing me my groceries that I ordered online and it takes you longer than normal, that is just fine. Yep. If you are bringing me Thank my you. food at a restaurant, oh, you get a pass. If you work at the grocery store and I'm checking out, you get a pass. I don't care what it is. <laughs> I don't care if you have a bad attitude because <laughs> I am assuming you have a good reason to have a bad attitude. Yes. And so um, service people just get a pass. Yeah. Like, they do not get dirty looks from me. They do not get, I, I don't yell at people anyway, but if I were a yelling person, they wouldn't get yelled at by me. Um, service people get a pass. Yes, totally, totally. Oh. Well, I don't know that I have a lot to add to that, except, you know, carry candy with you and distribute it freely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Have a candy. Yes. Have a candy. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with all of you. I think, um, and I think tipping well in these days yes. is, yeah. a, is an important concrete way of showing, especially service uh, service workers, that yeah. you appreciate them uh, one way or the other. But I think I'll just, the only thing I would say is just to see people. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how many yeah. times I will be walking through some, you know, a hospital or a an office or somewhere and somebody just out of habit says, you know, have a good day. And if I stop and turn to them and I say, how has your day been? Uh, you know, they'll, they're shocked for the one thing. And then, but they may tell you, they may say, well, yeah, it's been all right. But to, they get to see them is, is a gift. So many people need to be seen and heard and we may be among them. <laughs> Probably are. Well, I, I hope all of us can um, find ways to practice kindness and, and grace in these days. We all need it. Bert, would you uh, help us get started with what is an interesting passage today? It is a very interesting passage, and I wish that my uh, I was dealt the next passage <laughs> instead of this one. <laughs> um, I'm open to trade, Daniel. Anyway, um, no, it, it is interesting, and and I think one of the reasons it's interesting we need to we need to step back. I'm going to get on my high horse, my my pet peeve thing for a moment is we have dissected our scriptures so fine tuned with verse and number and chapter and, and all that, and we forget that this was not originally part of our text. Amen. Uh, and, and, and part of our stories. I mean, many of these things were told orally. Mm -hmm. And so when Luke was putting this together, um, he's coming from Mark, and Mark was an oral tradition, and Luke is pulling from Mark and pulling from, you know, Q. That's all you Bible geeks will get all that stuff. But Luke's pulling things together, and he's putting them in an order, and we don't hear. It's like, it's like if we just watch five minutes of a movie, and we think this is what the movie's about. 
you know, and then we don't get everything that builds up to it and what comes after. So I'm going to back up just a little bit and remind us of what we've been talking about. In chapter 14, um, we get some parables about humility and hospitality, and Jesus talks about uh, the person at the table. Don't, you know, don't think you're important enough to be at the head of the table. Go to this smaller end of the table. Maybe you get moved up. And he talks about inviting people and doing things for people who there's no self-interest being gained here. You've got no nothing to be gained here. And this relates to what you were just asking about, David, right? Uh, and, and then he talks about a feast and the cost of discipleship not being tied to material or economic interests. So that's in chapter 14. And then we turn to chapter 15, and we get stuff about the person who's wasting valuable time and energy by society standards for looking for that one lost sheep, or the woman who's looking for that one lost coin. Instead of taking care of what you've got, wasting time looking for something everybody else would overlook. And then we move to the parable of the prodigal son, and we have to remember it's also the parable of the older loyal brother. And again, it's dealing with value and worth of self-interest. Do I get it all now and squander it? And the father who places love in both, even though both end up by the end kind of disappointing the father, right? Um, So you get all that stuff. And then we turn the chapter from the prodigal son who squandered all of his wealth and the brother who resented it, we turn the chapter to chapter 16, and Jesus picks up with this parable about a dishonest manager who, according to the text, is squandering the property that's entrusted to him. So you see this theme of materialism and, and cheating and squandering and all that stuff. So this picks right up with that. So here we have a rich man who has lots of property. He entrusts a manager to oversee other people and take care of all this stuff. And this manager is squandering it all. Maybe he's dipping in. He's not taking care of it. Who knows what's going on? The manager, the owner get gets wind of what's going on. The manager freaks out. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired. I better take care of myself before the manager, before the owner comes to get me. So he goes about to all the people who own, owed, owed debts to the owner, owed debts to the owner. He settles them. And there's no fairness about it. He's got no system of of how I'm going to do this. He just goes willy-nilly. What can you pay me? All right, I'll settle for half. You pay me half, and we'll call it even. What can you give me? All right, 80%. We'll call it even. And he settles the debts, and they are set free from their debts to the to the rich landowner, right? And he's done this. So what he's done is he's built some friendships, some trusts, maybe some debt for himself. Hey, remember when I did this favor for you to all of these people? And he's built a system so that the rich landowner, he can't come in and say, well, wait a second, because then all of a sudden, if he reneges on this and says he's cheating you, he he did this without my permission, well, then everybody's going to hate him. So he can't go back on what this manager's done. So he's kind of got all this in there. So he's looking for self-interest. A few verses, uh, chapter after Jesus talks about, don't be in it for your self-interest. This guy's a cheat. But in the text, in the parable, then even the rich man comes in and says, well, that was a pretty shrewd thing to do. Hey, I'm going to commend you for this, right? So we have to ask that, you know, this, this question is, can we find something good in people who are cheating people for their own interest and getting something out of it, even though we've been warned against it by Jesus? Mike Smith, Pastor Mike Smith, now re- 
retired pastor, Mike Smith, uh, thinks, hey, you know what? Jesus says we can. This is difficult because the protagonist is a cheat. But that's not the first time in our scriptures, is it? Especially when we think of Jacob. But there's a lot of Mm. tricksters and cheaters who are the protagonists of our stories. Here's a cheat who's getting by with it, right? And being held up and said, hey, but he's at least shrewd when time push comes to shove. He's showing some shrewdness. But here's what Mike Smith adds that I think is very interesting. By praising this village, this villain, excuse me, Jesus specifically means the man's focus on finding ways to make friends for himself. Because he's not really in the friendship business when he's just doing the other, the master's manager stuff, right? It's all economic transactions. But now he's going to rely on building community relationships because he doesn't know what the owner's going to do to him. All right, so here you go. In Jesus's time, Mike Smith says, substantial segments of the Jewish population thought of much of the world as an enemy to be avoided or overcome. I'm afraid that many of us have fallen into the pattern of similar thoughts and behavior. Think how many times that you have heard or read, read of a Christian speaking of people of a different religion or people of different political and social issues and opinions, or even other kinds of Christians as our enemies. Right? Jesus calls his people to take a different approach. Jesus calls us to find points of common concern and need and to address matters shrewdly in a way that is helpful to each other, building positive relationships, even at the start if it's built on self interest, but building positive relationships in the community uh, that can be transformative. Jesus envisions a world, Mike Smith says, in which many outside the Christian faith might come to say, that Christian is a friend to me. Like the debtors who say, well, that manager was a friend to me at a time of crisis. Fascinating stuff. But still, still, let's keep going because it still comes back to money and material interests. When we get to verses 10 to 13, we find that money, money is not our friend. Money is a tool that we can use to serve our friends. I remember hearing... um the African-American scholar and minister Cornel West say one time, money's not evil. Remember, because remember what the saying is, money's the root of all evil, but that's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say is the root of all evil? The love of money. Cornel West says, money is only evil in as much as you worship it and you make it an end to itself. Otherwise, money is good because money is a tool that you can use to help others. And I think that's what we're getting to here, uh, to love of money and use it as a tool. And we get to that part, verse 13, you cannot serve both God and money. Materialism enslaves us. Materialism enslaves us, and but what frees us is the way we use what materials we have to serve others, and how we respond and deal with that reveals who we serve. This is a challenging text for our time, when our economic interest and our religious interest have married so closely and intertwined so closely that we think the worship of the individual and individual wealth is what God requires of all of us. And we don't want to hear people talk about debt forgiveness. And we don't want to hear people talk about um, not charging interest 
on loans, which is a very biblical ideal, right? So all of that stuff. And we have to remember what the great prophet Robert Zimmerman, some of you know him as Bob Dylan, once said, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, or in this case, it may be money, or it may be God. But you're going to have to serve somebody. And just because in God we trust is written on our money doesn't really mean that's who we're serving. For a for a text that you said you didn't want to tackle, um, right? That was that was really was so great. good. And I, I like how you framed the landowner who's sort of handcuffed by the actions of, well, who we might call the boss man. You know, uh, he it's he can he can say he can say no 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 this has all been a mistake and he would have a riot mm-hmm. on his hands, or he can take credit for it and he comes out the hero mm-hmm. and it's it's just such a fascinating story that jesus tells i mean i just can imagine the original hearers like what in the <laughs> what are, what in the world is going on here what's the point of this story but i just i love it because of of the grace and the mercy that is just indiscriminate I was just going to say, it's a reminder that Jesus isn't always telling us Aesop's fables, something that there's going to be a really good, clearly good person and a clearly bad person, and here's the moral of the story. He uses real life Mm -hmm. and the complicated people in real life. And then even this complicated person who's acting in his own self-interest in the end does something that not only helps others, ends up helping himself, and makes the, the really bad guy, the rich guy who's exploiting people, even gives him a, a shot in the arm and makes him look better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree, Bert. You did a fantastic job with this difficult text. Uh, you you drew me in and I really appreciate the way you handled it. One of the things that I love so much about this text is this, they call him the dishonest manager. He's working within a system, right? And so like there are all these other things at play And he figures out how to navigate that system in a way that is positive, not just for himself, but really for everybody involved. I do think that there is wisdom in that for us because we all exist within complicated, imperfect, difficult to navigate systems. It doesn't matter where you work. There's something at your workplace that is not perfect, that is maybe harming others or maybe isn't totally on the up and up or you wouldn't do it that way. And we all have to figure out how to work in those spaces without losing ourselves. And so I think that this landowner, I mean, this manager figures out how to do that. And it's quite savvy. I mean, it's pretty good well it's, it's like jesus is saying look okay one of the one of the reasons so many people use our religion our christian tradition to justify individual materialism and our current economic status economic systems uh is that well we're all sinners you know and and socialism is and and anything that anything like that that's non-godly because it takes it doesn't take seriously the sin of human self-interest well 
this takes interest. This takes uh, self-interest seriously and says the guy is using his own self-interest to try to do good for everybody involved Mm -hmm. that you can, you can Mm -hmm. play both. You could still be self. So like if you're trapped when you were talking, Nikki, when you're, when you're trapped in a, in a, in a, in a systemic institutional setting that, that requires you not to be fair. You know, I, I always think of, um, Mr. Incredible, uh, when he's, when he's, trying to, you know, trapped in human, normal human life. Mm-hmm. And he's an insurance guy and he's that mid-level guy. And, you know, <laughs> our insurance policy can't do this. Now, now I'm, if I were to tell you this, <laughs> I would get fired. So you're not hearing me tell you to go down here and do this. Uh-huh. And you're not hearing me. You're not finding out that you can get this policy covered by doing this. You're not getting that right. But he's, so he's finding a way within the system to, to manipulate it cheat even mm-hmm. yeah but for the benefit of the people who need it and knowing that if the insurance company would come back and say no to all these people it would be a nightmare right um so there, there's some level of of true human understanding in jesus's parable here and i like the way you talk about how we're trapped in systemic institutions and trying to because that's what we do every day yeah, I mean, on, on the one hand, I can rail against Amazon for its unfair wages and poor treatment of workers. Mm-hmm. And then I, I know people who, because of disability, rely on Amazon because they bring shopping right to their door. Right. Does that mean that uh, corporate malfeasance is okay? No, it, it does mean that life is complicated. And we do the best we can with what we have where we are. I think part of the reason this parable is so challenging is because it is so real. Um, Some of the other stories that Jesus tells are a little closer to that Aesop's fable kind of thing. You know, you've got the good guy and the bad guy, or you've, you know, you've got the right and the wrong. And it seems to be that there are sides, but the reality is life is way more complicated than that. I found myself as we're talking, pondering on this idea that the manager was acting in his own self-interest. Like we've said that a few times and, but he does it in a way that kind of like all ships rise, right? Like, and it makes me think about how corporate our salvation is described in scripture. There's definitely this theme in scripture going all the way back to Abraham. You are blessed to be a blessing that our dependence on God, our trust in God to save us is also connected to the way that God does that for others. And so like, I'm I'm kind of, all right, y'all have to bear with me for a second. I'm going to get there. There is a sense that your well-being is wrapped up in my well-being. And I think this manager gets that, that he takes care of himself, but in doing so, he takes care of others and he's got them kind of in his back pocket if it goes south with the man with the landowner. Right. Um, But he really is thinking in a way that's very corporate, that it is his own self-interest, but that's very much wrapped up and all the other people that he talks to. I don't disagree with any of that. 
I'm fascinated because I've never given him that much credit. I don't know but if he it, did like, it on purpose or yeah, if it I mean, was just very convenient. Right, right, story. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, because I, I think I have, I have long struggled with this story. And I, here, I guess where I come down or the way I read it now is what is he commended for? He's commended for his forgiveness. He, he forgives everyone. He forgives things he has no right to forgive. It's true. Um, he forgives yeah. for the wrong reasons, as you said, for personal gain, or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe because he cheated them before. It, it's almost like, and and here, David, this is how it does, I think, connect to your lead-in question. There's no right or wrong reason for kindness and grace and mercy. You just do. Mm. Um, and we learned this in a very real way. If you've ever tried to forgive someone who's not sorry for how they've hurt you, mm. you learn that you don't forgive out of love of the other person all the times if you're not there yet, mm-hmm. but because you deserve better. It it just, I think, I think the way Jesus talks about mercy and forgiveness and grace is scandalous for all those except for the person on the receiving end of it maybe then it sort of starts making sense but i'm just i'm I'm struck by jesus commends the forgiveness no matter why it's done that gummit i I think the lead-in question might have actually been a good fit yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> might have been a good a little, a little bit of god stuff in that wow wow that's a always bit of providence that's always weird when it happens but yeah but yeah I, I mean i'm really i'm moved by this conversation and i'm moved by it in, in part because it feels like having come i say come through the pandemic like it's over but <laughs> at this point in <laughs> in our in our lives and our journeys over the last few years it feels like we're rethinking a lot of things and that's not all bad because the question that's being posed to us by this passage is who are you going to serve and that's a pretty good question um and one that I think I might think about differently now than I might have three years ago. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's good that we're rethinking some of these basic questions. And what does it mean if we say, I I want to serve God? Does that mean what we thought it meant? Or is it more like what this passage is calling us to do in terms of this excessive, ridiculous forgiveness and and grace? Um, And, Forgiveness and grace as it also relates to our material possessions. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. I think that's really important. It's not like it only happens once in the Gospels. It happens over and Mm -hmm. over and over. I mean, it is just constant. Yes. I want to wrap us up with, um, with a quote from Fred Craddock. And I have to thank Bert for bringing this uh, to my attention but I think it really is a, it's a wonderful way to think about this very same issue. The way Fred Craddock, who, if Craddock is, is a famous preacher, uh, one of the finest preachers uh, of our age. And this is, this is what he says. He says, most of us will not this week christen the ship, write a book, 
end a war, appoint a cabinet, dine with a queen, convert a nation, or be burned at the stake. More likely, the weak will present no more than a chance to give a cup of water, write a note, visit a nursing home, vote for a county commissioner, teach a Sunday school class, share a meal, tell a child a story, go to choir practice, and feed the neighbor's cat. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. May we all go and do likewise. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Subscribe to the Faith Element Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible Study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.